you got to keep telling yourself over and over, don't expect other people to believe in your dream if you don't. You need to believe in, in our future so much that that transfers to other people. And if, and if a no is going to get in your way, you didn't really want it that bad. Welcome to Mindset Performance, where we take a look at the thinking patterns of successful entrepreneurs so we can learn why it's true that the less you work, the more you make. If you're an entrepreneur and you feel life is calling you to step up to something bigger, this podcast is for you. This is your host, Jared Hanning, and in today's episode, I bring you the incredible Luke Wren. Luke is the right hand to Tony Robbins, um, doing a lot of training for him. Luke has an amazing speaking empire of his own, seven-figure earner. Luke is doing great work in this world. Um, and because of that, it gives him the opportunity to be around a lot of rich and powerful people, which of course gives him kind of a unique perspective on life. In our conversation, we take a look at blaming and complaining, uh, the effect it has on our life, our sense of giving up power whenever we're doing that. Um, there's an interesting question that Luke asks himself many times, which is, how did you show up? It's interesting to see how he thinks about solving problems in his life from a standpoint of who he's being as a person, his energy. Um, when things don't go well, it was really refreshing to hear him uh, talk about the question that he uses to resolve business crisis. Um, worst case scenario, how can we end this and it still be a win? How can we walk away from this so that it is good for everyone involved. Um, a little bit of seasoning in the conversation as we delve into Michael Jordan and the last dance. Um, of course, Luke is very honest about the journey of success in business, that it's not a straight line, up and down, and that the downs aren't necessarily failures. Uh, Luke refers to them as a learning tax. It's the price you paid to learn that lesson. Of course, the value of betting on yourself, but a really interesting common theme in this conversation with Luke was how he maintained his focus on his early goals and kind of organized his life to keep heading that way. I think many times it's easy for us to pick a goal uh, and then get distracted and stop pursuing it. Uh, really interesting insight, as Luke points out, that our greatest fear is asking the question that's most likely to get us what we really want. There's something about that question that our subconscious recognizes as going to work. And our subconscious sometimes fears, what if it works? Very, very interesting concept. And without any more delay, I bring you Luke Wren. Luke, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me, Jared. It's an honor. Yes, sir. Good times. I'm so sorry you're having to suffer through such miserable weather. How do you <laughs> tolerate that? Well, that's one of the reasons I moved to Florida is I grew up in Minnesota. And finally, after 38 years of freezing, uh, people go, do you have any regrets of moving down to Florida? And I'm like, no, no. 38 years is enough years of feeling 50 below in the wintertime. And they're like, why did you move? And I'm like, well, there's taxes less of those. There's a better temperature and there's an ocean in view wherever you go. So 
those three things. Take your choice or all three. So the uh, the state bird in Minnesota, I understand, is the mosquito. What is this? <laughs> what is the state animal in Florida? Uh, I think that would be the alligator. You don't go not near freshwater. You stay in the salt water. <laughs> <laughs> in Minnesota, it's all freshwater. Down here, any freshwater could have a gator in it. So I stay clear of the and stay in the salt water. <laughs> it's the gator. I saw I saw a cartoon one where one place where they were doing state birds and they got to Florida or state animals. You know those um, those sawhorses that they the orange sawhorses yes. for road construction. They had a picture of that as the state animal for Florida. The orange <laughs> sawhorse for road construction. See, we only had we only had four to five months of it in Minnesota because it was too cold the rest of the year to have road construction. <laughs> well, that's a that's a that's a bit of cultural trade off. It's, it's good. Oh my gosh, um, Luke, take us back to a time when you were uh, launching something and it wasn't working. Um, what was breaking down and, and more importantly, like what was going on in your head while all that was falling apart? Gosh, I mean, how, how many, how many opportunities do you want? I think the illusion most people think is when some things go right, man, everything went right for that person. Um, I got multiple examples of the things that didn't work out. Um, you know, I, I, I partnered in, 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 uh, um, in a business once and, uh, and it was partnering in, in some chiropractic clinics. And, uh, you know, I just thought everybody would want to work as hard as they could and do as much as they could and have the largest impact all the time. And I found out quickly that I did not interview my partners long enough to figure out that mm -hmm. their desire was less than mine. Um, and so it wasn't catastrophic in the meltdown but it was definitely a frustration of, you know, if, if you choose the wrong partners to go in on something and don't get clear of the outcomes, the intent, the, the blueprint that each person has before getting too excited about the outcome and moving forward, it can be a painful process. <laughs> it can, it can. We, a lot of, lot of time gone, <laughs> a lot of money gone. Uh, a lot of social rapport gone if you if it involved losing customers or laying employees off or whatever. Um, and it, yes, you're right. It's painful and it sucks. Um, going back a little bit to your first response, I was like, hey, take us back to a time when it wasn't working. What was going on? And you're like, just one? <laughs> I've got so many to choose from. That's like the number one thing that entrepreneurs say when we're on this podcast. They're, they like, they just laugh. Like, are you kidding me? That happens every year. What are you talking about? But the, the next thing is when you're in the midst of that and stuff was collapsing and you were realizing, okay, this relationship's got to go and maybe I made a bad step there and oh, now I'm going to have to rebuild this. While you're in the midst of that storm, like what were you thinking? What was your thought process of what you could do next? Yeah, let's let's solve this in the winningest way possible for all parties and move forward. It it wasn't like oh my gosh, I got to save this. It wasn't like oh my gosh, you know, um, I need to make this the way I saw it. It was really getting clear and going, what's important to you? What? Hey, great, I'm not interested in that. And uh, let's solve this. And, and how I ended up solving was uh, I actually financed the business and sold it to him. Um, oh, wow! And and still being paid on it to this day. Now. Um, I didn't get the return I was looking for on it, but what it did is it allowed me to exit where I wasn't getting energy 
and take that focus and direction and put it in something that was giving me energy. And it solved the problem quicker than trying to just drive into the problem more and more and more um, because it was a uh, systemic problem, right? It was, you know, three, especially if two people really don't agree, driving into two people that don't agree farther doesn't, doesn't solve that problem, right? If, if you get clear together and, Hey, this is my blueprint. This is my blueprint. This one's red. This one's blue. Red never looks like blue. Blue never looks like red. Right. So in, 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 in recognizing that they're different, just going, you know what mistake. And, and what I did is every time I screw up and I tend to screw up a lot, uh, as you alluded to us entrepreneurs, uh, you know, at least the friends I have, they don't get too bothered about the mistakes as long as we learn from them. And there's some, there's some learning tax, right? Sometimes I've paid, I've paid money to learn things. <laughs> you know, I always say, people say lose money. I go, no, that was just a high learning tax. <laughs> and, uh, and this was a time and, and, and a money tax um, that I paid in this situation. However, the, the great gift that I got from it is to really, before you enter a partnership in a business, to really be clear on expectations to really sit down and talk about vision and values and alignment and, uh, and take the time that it's not just about a business plan or making money or making impact that you really need to be careful with who you partner with. And it was nobody's fault other than mine, because I believe that, that when we take self accountability, we can learn from it. When we blame, we can't, um, it takes the power of learning away. And so I looked at it and said, Hey, you dummy should have slowed down. You should have got clear when you got in, and um, and if and if you clarify from now on, this would be well worth the time, energy, and money that you spent on this. Amen to that. There's a couple of things that you said that I don't want to gloss over um, because, wow, they are so fundamental. One is when I asked about the crash, what was going on in your thoughts? The first thing you said was, "How can we wrap this up in the most meaningless way possible, and then move on?" Um, I think many people, when the world crashes, there's a bankruptcy or a foreclosure or a divorce, or they get screwed over by an apartment or they're, you know, or a partner or they're sued or whatever it is. They tend to interpret this as an omen from the universe speaking to me about my course. And you're like, no, it's not like it works or it doesn't work. It's not a reflection of my personality or my worth as a human being or my potential or what life's calling me to. It just works or it doesn't. This didn't work. So how can we wrap this up so that I can get on to something else? Now, granted, something else may or may not work, but that's okay because this is the entrepreneurial journey. So I, I think it's beautiful that you're able to navigate that without making it a statement of your worth or your potential. That was, that was really good. So thank you. Oh, thank you so much. With this. I also like what you said about if you blame, you cannot grow. Um, as long as the fault is outside of you, you were prevented from growing and learning. So you're going to be stuck. So there you were. You're like, well, this sucks, but what can I learn from this? Um, where can I take responsibility? 100%. Yeah, even if that I mean, responsibility- and it doesn't mean at times that I catch myself. I want to let everybody know out there if they go, oh, I've, I've blamed others before. I want to say, so have I. But when you sit down and reflect, you go, you know, because believe me, initially, I'm like, oh, gosh, you know, they, 
then I sat down and I'm like, they isn't going to solve this. They is not going to prevent this from happening again. They will not teach me what I'm, what I meant to learn in this. And so I want to let everybody know that, that you're human. If you naturally tend to blame when things don't go down, but then as we sit and reflect and go, what do I need to own in this? Regardless of the situation, we always own a part. It always takes two. Yes. 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 Oh my gosh. Have you, have you heard the book, um, a complaint free world? No, I haven't. Well, definitely. Here, let me put that in my phone. A complaint free world. Um, it, it's worth, it's worth your time and it will frustrate the heck out of you. So it, that got started with this pastor somewhere and he had this challenge for his congregation because he, he saw that like they were getting caught up in that blame you know, they, I love the mysterious they that you referenced earlier. They're getting caught up in that. And so he passed out those little kind of rubber bands, bracelets, you know, that you go to the shop or whatever. He passed those yeah. out to his congregation and he said, okay, here's the deal. 21 days in a row without gossiping, complaining, or criticizing. If you mess up, you have to start from zero again. And how long does it take you before you can string together 21 in a row? Now, you read the book and you're like all inspired. You're like, oh my gosh, yes, I would love to take this challenge on and start doing this push-up called Don't Complain, Gossip, or Criticize. And so you wear it and you'll be slipping wrists like a hundred times the first day because you're, you constantly gossip, complain, and criticize. It took me three months before I could get 21 days in a row. That was hard. It, it's funny you mentioned that when I had health clubs in my early 20s, um, I had the staff read a book uh, very similar called The No Complain Rule by John Gordon. And it talked about building the habit of not complaining. And uh, like you said, it's, it's constantly, <laughs> when you become aware of it, you go, oh my gosh, do I complain or blame? How often am I doing this? And, and you feel like, has it always been this way? And it's just becoming aware. It is. But it's amazing how much changes in three weeks. Oh, man. Do you have a do you have a favorite like go to exercise for awareness like that? Um, I, I always say, you know, we'll never fix the problems by blaming, shaming, or complaining, only owning. And and it's just an incantation that I say daily. You know, it's something that I just say to myself regularly. And and I one thing that I do that that really works to prevent blaming or complaining or shaming or whatever it is, putting it out there versus in here is daily. I, I just, when I, when I wake up, I just look in the mirror and say, Hey, we're going to bring it today. Let's go. And, uh, where I catch myself, if I blamed or complained or did those things in the day is, is when I ask myself at the end of the day, as I go, I ask myself a simple question. I just say, you know, on a scale of one to 10, how did you show up today? How did you bring it today? And, uh, it took a while. Initially, I would be hard on myself. Mm. And I think that's that's uh, that's normal for most achievers and leaders out there. Yeah. Um, but what I learned to do is go, you know what? It was the sixth day. Because you know what? You blamed them. You didn't get this done. You did something here you shouldn't have been doing. Somebody else should have been doing that. However, you know what? I love you. Tomorrow, we're going to get it. Get ready. And, and I just kind of playfully... And then, and then I end up by always looking in the mirror and just going, I love you and, and go to bed and you go to bed kind of already absorbing the day. And, and before I did that, you could catch yourself blaming or complaining about things that really didn't matter. And it's just like a daily check and it's so simple. It's not complex and it doesn't require any skill just doing it. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's, that's great. I, um, 
I'm curious, and I'm sure you get this question all the time, um, but in your position, you are frequently around um, very successful, um, obscenely, powerfully influential, wealthy individuals. What, what is it that the average person would be surprised to find out by being around? That they're human. That they're that, human. That, 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 that um, I remember, you know, and, and, and I think I'll relay it from the way I looked at it before I got to meet some of the people that I envied so much, some of the people that I really looked up to, I always thought, wow, they, there's something special. There's something different. There's something crazy. They have this or they have that. And you can make up whatever story. And, and I would really encourage anybody that ever hears this interview to, um, to go, wow, the more that I've met people that at one time or, or a lot of other people still idolize, I look at them and go, you know what? They're just like me. And, uh, but what, what the biggest difference is that I saw is I'm like, they just go for it. They don't let the, the things that don't work out or the failures bother them as much. They just keep going and they seek to grow and understand and learn on a daily, regular basis. And, um, Everybody does it their own way. That's another thing I've learned about it is there's no one cut formula. Mm -hmm. This is the way to do it. Um, one of the most uh, common things that I've seen, if I look at what's common between all of them, is they did it their way. And at some point, people thought they were crazy until they were right. And um, when you look at the names that you really respect, they were crazy until they were right, but they stuck with it. And I think in today's world, we're taught not to dream because we, we, we might not get it. We might not, we might not achieve it. And sometimes the people that love us most are preventing us or telling us not to go after what we want because they think they're protecting us, not because they don't want us to get it. And um, I, I would just encourage anybody is to dream bigger, to go big. And if you go big and you don't get there, so what? At least you went for it. You know, I just remember watching the Michael Jordan um, documentary, the last dance. And there was a scene in there that I think everybody should pay attention to. Somebody said, well, Michael, you know, you always take, you're, you're the best clutch shooter in the history of the game. And do you ever like, what if you miss? And he just looked dumbfounded. And he goes, why would I ever worry about missing a shot? I haven't even taken yet. But yet when I talk to people or people interview me and they go, well, did you ever worry about this? I'm like, and, and I realize I'm like, I don't worry about a lot of the shots I haven't taken yet. However, anytime I'm held back, I am a human, as we all are. Anytime I'm not taking the action that I need to be taken, it's worrying about a shot we haven't taken yet. Instead of just taking the shot and figuring it out after that. And uh, I thought that was so profound. So I think the, the most important for, thing for people to realize is we're all human. We all have dreams. We all have the same needs. We all have same need structure psychology and and um, we just got to go after what we believe in and continue to learn and grow and and that's what i think the when you look at the people that succeed long term multiple times whether they go bankrupt whether they lose everything and get it back like hey in my lifetime to be clear everybody i made a lot of money more than i ever thought i would and i lost it all and I made a lot of money and then I lost it again. And, and, and right now I happen to be making money. It isn't the money that makes me happy. It's the journey. 
And I think less we, we chase the destination because once you hit a few destinations, and I think everybody listening to this, we always think, oh, if we get this, achieve this, make this, do this, have this, then I'll be happy and, if, and, and, and I'll be enough. And if I'm enough, then I'll be loved. That's, that's foundational psychology for every human. However, what if we realize we don't have to go get that stuff, that we're already enough, that we're already worthy of love. And if we're already worthy of love, Let's just go do stuff because it's cool. It's what we believe in. It's what we want to do. I'm into that. And not worry that, that I would say one more thing, and I know this is a long answer, is the other commonality that, that I think that we already alluded to earlier is uh, to be successful at anything, you got to love failing. And you got to realize that, that the only way you get a success is to go through what I call PEC as you fail. Passion, excitement, and certainty. Continuing to keep your passion, your excitement, and your certainty of what you're going after as you continue to fall, as you continue to hit roadblocks, speed bumps, fail, whatever you want to describe it as, and realize that failure is the most essential ingredient to hitting any level of success you want to achieve. And I think so many times people think, oh my gosh, I failed. I'm like, how many times did you try? And they're like, twice. I'm like, how many times did you fall when you learned how to walk? That's human nature. You didn't yes. even need to learn that. What if our kid, like my daughter's two and a half. What if when she was one or six months old and she's starting to walk and she fell and I go, oh, let's put her in a wheelchair. She wasn't meant to walk. Mm. Like, but how often as adults have we been programmed by it didn't work out? At, hey, it doesn't work. How do you know? I did it twice. Really? And how many times did you fall in learning how to walk? And that's what I remind people. If we look at it that many times, you're willing to do something as many times as you did to learn how to walk, how many things would you have succeeded at in life so far? Way farther ahead, way farther. And uh, Michael Jordan, um, he also has a quote where he says um, 300 times he was given the last shot and he missed. Um, you know, uh, uh, Babe Ruth, same thing. He was the exactly. home king and the strikeout king. He had records in... In both categories. <laughs> and Michael Jordan shot 49% to be the best basketball player, arguably of all time, that redefined the sport. And he missed more shots than he made, period. Mm -hmm. He shot 49%. <laughs> but how many people are shooting 49% out there and still excited to take the last shot of the game? One, one thing about uh, Michael Jordan, and I don't, I haven't verified this. I don't know if it's true. If you're out there and you can verify it, please let me know. Yeah. Um, I, I'm told that he would watch... Um, the game after, you know, watch the recording of the game afterwards, but he wasn't looking for um, technique. He wasn't looking for, okay, I should have roll there or I should have gotten back on my heels there. He wasn't looking for technique. He wasn't looking for plays. What he was looking for was his emotional state and how that changed during the game. Was he playful? Was he angry? Did he check out? Was he upset? Was he confident? He was looking for his, his kind of way of being. Um, and that way of being is, is something that you've alluded to in this call many times. Uh, entrepreneurial journey is not about having resources. It's a way of being that you create the resources. Yes. It's not about being successful. It's, okay, now that you fell down, you're ready to get back up again. <laughs> <laughs> what, tell us about a time when you didn't have the resources. Um, I think many people would say, well, I would be successful like Luke if I had a lot of money, but they don't understand <laughs> how many times you had a project and you didn't have the means to fund it. 
So walk us through how you, what resourcefulness looks like for you. Yeah. I, I, I remember, you know, since the age of seven, when I watched my grandfather, the first seven years of my life battled cancer and, and finally passed away when I was seven. Um, you know, it's something that radically shaped my life. And, and I remember my grandfather in his, in his last week, you know, squeezing my hand and he just said, Lucas, you don't have anything if you don't have your health. And I don't believe I'd be on this, on this zoom, on this podcast right now. Um, if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't be doing what I do without that. It was one of those shaping moments in my life where I remember, I didn't know exactly what I was going to do in life, but I remember after that, I wanted nobody else to suffer. And my belief was, if you don't have your health, you don't have anything. Because my grandfather was a very spiritual man. So for him to say that over God or religion or anything um, really impacted me. I remember going home that day and I bought a Jacqueline book that week. Uh, the old chair workout. Yeah. Me a little bit. And it'll date me a little bit for, for, the, for the viewers or listeners that are young. We had these things called cassettes. That's right. I went out and bought uh, Born in the USA by Bruce Springsteen. And I remember putting it in a boom box yes. put it in and hit play. There was a button you had to push down. Yes. And, uh, and, uh, we had to flip the tape. We, it wasn't the lazy days. We had, when, it, when we got done with about four songs, we had to flip the tape to yep. play the other side. And, uh, I started working out then. And I just remember, I'm going to help everybody. I want everybody to know you don't have anything if you don't have your health. And, um, and, and, and in, in that time, I remember, you know, that's what really shaped me wanting to have health clubs. And I started telling people as young as 13, I'm going to have my own health club chain. And uh, people laughed at me because uh, I had, I, I grew up poor in money originally, but very rich in love. I, I'm blessed with the most amazing parents, uh, Fran and Char. And to this day, I, I they're, they're still my idols. Um, and and I remember my buddies saying, oh, where are you going to get money to have a health club? You don't have any money. And I just said, hey, all I know is I'm going to do it. And by the age of 30, I'm going to have my own health club chain. And I just kept saying it over and over and over. And I started working out in health clubs. You had to be 13 years old. As soon as I was 13, I was a member. And I just asked questions to everybody, everybody, everybody that worked there. So what do you do? Why do you do that? Why do you do this? Why do you do that? My favorite question was why? And uh, I think they got a little annoyed by me, but they also respected the energy and the spirit of it. Um, and then when I was working out, I went up to the fittest, strongest person in the gym. So what do you do for this? Why do you do that? Why do you do this? Why do they do that? Why do you do this? And I would even ask the unfit people what they did. And I made sure I didn't do that, right? Because I was listening to Jim Rohn. He would say success leaves clues. So does failure. And I was like, okay, so I'll study failure. Make sure I don't do that. And I'll study success and make sure I do that. And there is different tendencies between the unfit people that go to the gym and the fit people at the gym, completely different belief structures. And, and, and it's so the, the cool thing about working out is it was so clear, right? It's not complicated. It was so clear what, what the fittest people in the gym did when they went to the gym and what the unfit people did when they went to the gym and what their beliefs were that would get them there. Um, and so when I started my first, when I, when I got an opportunity uh, I started working in the health club as soon as I was 17. And uh, then I got my first job in a health club as, it, and, and for some of you that think you always are going to start out successful with a lot of money. I always laugh when people graduate college and they're like, yeah, I want a job making 150 grand doing this, doing that. I took my first job in my fourth year of college. I still had one year left to go at $13,000 a year. I'm like, did I, did I seriously go to school for four years to wow. take a job for 13,000? guaranteed as a, as a personal trainer. 
But then I started applying my skills and caring about people. And I was selling more than anybody else. And they made me PT manager and I got a raise. And then three months later, I became a salesperson because they go, you can sell. And I got a raise. And then I became the sales manager and I got a raise. And then I became the assistant manager and I got a raise. And then the only job I never got, the only job I never won the interview was I was still finishing up my last year of college. And the people that own the club said, we don't think you can handle going to college and being a general manager of our multi-million dollar club at the same time. And I pointed him right in the face and I said, you're going to regret this. And when that guy doesn't work out, you'll give the job to me. And three months later, that guy was fired and I had the job. Um, and I've never forgot that feeling of that somebody wasn't willing to bet on me and my work ethic. And because I've always been the hardest worker in the room. And why I'm sharing this story is because I don't want people to think that all of a sudden in my mid-20s, I got an idea to get a health club and it happened quickly. This started when I was seven. I reincanted the belief over and over and over. And even though I didn't know, the dream got closer and clearer the more that I kept focusing on it. And then at, then at 19, I was a general manager. Or at 20 years old, I was general manager of a gym. And, and uh, you know, then I moved areas and uh, I came across an opportunity to become a general manager of a gym that was losing, right? It was in the red. And they said, well, you know, we don't have money to put into it. What could you do? And I said, it's all about culture. It's all about relationships. It's all about people. If we make it about the people, I can fix this with little to no money in. And in six months, we flipped the gym around from 80 red to almost 100 black, meaning losing $80,000 to making $100,000. And it wasn't that extravagant of a gym. And uh, I remember walking into it. I, I didn't even know why I did this to this day. I just remember, why am I spending all this time, energy, and money, you know, turn around his gym when I need my gym. I said I was going to have my own gym. And I came in and I said, I said, hey, um, would you sell me the gyms? And he said, no, why would I sell them? Like, you've got to make money now. And I said, because if you don't, I'm done in 30 days. And I'd be glad to train whoever you want to replace me. But I already knew he went through three or four people trying to get this to work before. So I knew I had some leverage. And I played a wild card and I said, and I, I can't even believe he said, well, why would I? And I just said, because I'm done in 30 days. I didn't have another job lined up. Right? I had a family to feed. And, uh, and so I got done with that and I walked out and I was like, uh, yeah, well, that's great. I offered to buy a gym. I have no idea where I'm getting the money. And here comes the answer in your question. So I can hope people appreciate the journey. Why I share that was, is I want people to understand things we got to think long term and continue to take action and believe strong with passion and excitement and certainty short term all the way to the long term and and so when when uh when he said yes i'm just going wow um okay where am i going to get the money i got to get a bank to give me the money okay they're going to want to know my assets okay but my assets aren't enough to buy this club at this point and um and so I go, I got to build a business plan. And at that time it was a, you know, this is, I'm 41 now at this time, I'm, I'm 26 years old, 25 years old at the time. And I'm going, okay, so I'm going to go into a bank somebody with a lot of money and I have a little bit, but not enough to buy this club. And I need to get them to believe a 25 year old is going to continue to turn this gym around and build it. So I built, I remember it was 32 slides and I had where the club was, where I took it, the projections, what changes I made, 
what I've learned over the last 13 years being the why guy, specific examples of what was going to be different, why it was going to succeed. And I went into my first five banks and guess what they all said? They said, no, no. <laughs> and I'm like, dumbass. And, and that's literally what I said to myself, not to myself. I wasn't telling me a dumbass. I was calling them a dumbass because they didn't bet on somebody that knew what to do and they knew why they were doing it. And I would outwork anybody to figure it out. So then I go out and uh, I finally go to bank after bank after bank, the eighth bank I get into. And I'll never forget Dave. And I sat at his desk and I go through it and I'm like, boom, 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 boom. And I, and I have this down and I practice this presentation before the first bank. And, uh, and he goes, close the, close the computer. I'm going, what do you mean close computer? I'm not done yet. He goes, I've heard all I need to hear. Yes. We'll do it. Wow. We'll talk about what you need to do, but we'll do it. And he believed in me. And, and one of the, one, one, of the, I shouldn't laugh about it, but it was kind of funny. One of the very, very pompous bankers uh, that said no to me. And he was very arrogant about it. Um, had a bank that was across from where I built my second club across the street. And they went out of business when I opened my second club. Oh, wow. <laughs> right across the street. As they closed their doors, I opened mine. Oh, wow. And, and what, why I say that is not arrogance or not. I told you so, or wishing bad upon everybody else, but you got to believe if you have a big dream, you got to keep telling yourself over and over, don't expect other people to believe in your dream. If you don't like, we got to we got in when I say we is, I still have more dreams. I still have other things I want to do. And I believe as humans, we, as, as, as individuals need to believe in, in our future so much that that transfers to other people. And if, and if a no is going to get in your way, you didn't really want it that bad. And that's where I look at some things in my life didn't work out and some things, you know, no, no offense. There's some things you, you, you go down the road on and you go, Oh, that wasn't meant to be. And, and you give up on, and, and I'm fine with that. And it doesn't mean I quit. It just goes, I didn't want that, that thing, that goal enough, but whatever your dream is, go after it. Don't let a no get in the way. They didn't punch you. They didn't take your lunch money. They didn't, they didn't steal your dinner. They said, no big deal. We got to fall in love with that word because if you, if, if you just pretend you're dyslexic, it means get, turn on, right? No needs to mean turn on and, and go after another no. And, and if you collect enough no's, you will find a yes at whatever you're going after. Absolutely. I love what you said about resourcefulness and how you navigated that way. Uh, when you started working at a gym, you didn't have knowledge. And the way you got knowledge was by being in communication, talking to managers and staff and other clients and patrons of the gym. Uh, the way that you started your own gym was the same. You started networking and stuff like that. Um, there was a time that I used to buy houses all over the country. I was on ABC Nightline for one of the deals that we did, a little small house here in South Carolina. Oh, very cool. Um, but, and I was buying from the, this nation's single largest home buyer. This, this individual bought 4,000 houses a year. I mean, he was absolutely ridiculous. And then he would sell them to his investors. But when I started doing that, I didn't have the money to buy these packages of houses. So I took the vision and I shared it with people until enough of them resonated with it that I could raise the seed funds to do that. But that same principle holds in our, in our life. Like if I got to pay my cell phone bill and let's say it's $100 or whatever, but the Ukrainian hackers took over my account so I can't pay it. I don't have access to funds to pay it. 
and ask people this question. I'm like, what would you do? And they say, well, um, I would ask my neighbors if I could do some work to earn the money. Okay, great. What else would you do? Well, I might ask a friend or family to spot me a hundred bucks until I get my accounts open up. Okay, great. What else would you do? Well, uh, I might call the cell phone company and, and ask if they would, you know, postpone the payment until the Ukrainian hackers release my funds. Well, great. Notice that every single time you didn't have money, you solved it by being in communication. So if you don't have as much money as you want, you're not having enough conversations, which is what you described as you were coming up in that world. Um, I also like how you described um, no's and yeses, um, because many people avoid starting their own business. And I'm not saying that everyone should be an entrepreneur. There's certainly plenty of downsides to it. Um, but starting their own business or getting in a relationship or a new partnership, whatever it is, and they avoid it because they're like, oh, what if it go well? What if this crashes? What if I get burned? What if I lose money? What if I lose esteem of the community? The truth of the matter is it's going to crash. You're going to lose money. You're going to lose esteem. You're going to get hurt if it's a relationship. It's not about avoiding pain. It's about having the resourcefulness that you can keep moving forward through it and not make it a deeper meaning about your worth in the universe. Or Absolutely. <laughs> Oh my God. As I always tell people, if you're trying to avoid a no, just know for certain you'll never get a yes. <laughs> That's right. Like if, if, if you're trying to avoid the word no, you will never have a yes. Um, and if you really, if you really think about that, that's so true. Nobody can argue it, but you, you bring up one that everybody's come, come across about, you know, whether it's getting in a relationship. Well, I don't want to ask her out. She might say no doesn't mean you're not worthy. You're just not her type, right? Or his type. Like, but we'll never get a yes if we, if we, if we try to avoid no. The more we go after no, the more yeses we get. Pretty much. Pretty much. Um, one, one more question. This is kind of fill in the blank. Um, many people come to you with some version of the reason they aren't doing better. They say, I, I just had more knowledge or more support or more time or more money or more confidence, then I could do this dream that life's calling me to. And you've seen that so many times that there's kind of a, a consistent thing that they come to you with. Hey, Luke, I need more of this. But you know, on a deeper level, the real thing that they aren't asking for that they should be. How, how would you answer that? What do people ask um, for and what do they really need? Usually we're, we're avoiding, we're, we're creatures that we want to talk about what we want to talk about or what we know. Um, or what we feel good about. So a lot of times we're avoiding what, what really is bothering us or what we're really after. Um, so when, when they come to me for one thing and I know it's another, I just ask questions. Um, because oftentimes we're afraid to ask ourselves the questions that really give us the answer we're after. Um, so I call it with people is I say, if you want to, if you want to add more riches to your life, Riches don't come in money to me. I mean, riches start with, you know, um, self-love, spirit, physical health, uh, emotional health, relationships, time, a work or career, a mission or a calling. Because without those things, you get all the money in the world and you're going to feel broke. So I believe rich relationships, rich life. And we've gotten to a world that people get 5,000 followers or friends. They're not your friends. Those are people that are connected to you electronically. <laughs> but, but I tell people, um, if you really want to figure out what people are after, go three to five deep. Meaning when you ask somebody a question, if I say, why did you come to me? Okay. Tell me more about that. And then based on people go, but how do you know what question to ask? 
ask a question based off of the most important word that you believe they said in their answer. So, well, I want more out of life. Okay, well, what is it? Tell me what what is having more out of life to you? Mm-hmm. And and then pick the next the next word. And ever if you don't know what to say, simply say, tell me more about that. Because it's not till we get the depth to the depth of somebody that we really discover at what what they're after. And I find rarely do we ever get five questions deep, whether it be with a, a uh, spouse, whether it be with a child, whether it be with a coworker, whether it be with your employer, whether it be with somebody you're trying to coach or help, that if we go five questions deep and we seek to understand, not respond, the level of clarity we'll get about who that person is and what they're really after and why they're after it is astounding. But if you do this to everybody you talk to, the deep, the deepness and richness in your relationships is irremeasurable. You can't even measure it up against the way it is now. So I would always say, you know, it's questions um, because who am I to ever judge what's important to them, where they're at, where they want to go or, or what it is they're after? Yes. Five questions. Great. Um, if you ever have the opportunity, it is a beautiful transformational moment to go 20 or 100 questions. Um, oh, I'm, believe me, you can go far beyond that, but yeah. I encourage people five because most people go one. At least at least five. <laughs> I mean, I have people in tears as, as they start off with, what do you want? Uh, I want an airplane. Okay, why? Well, of all the yeah. things you could want, why an airplane? Well, because I would visit more of my friends. Okay, why do you want to visit your friends? Because I feel a sense of connection. Okay, why is connection important to you? And keep going, keep going. I'm, people have yep. this like transformational crisis where they realize the difference between what they're saying they want and what their soul's crying out for. Absolutely. Because most true. times people don't ask themselves the question. They don't go it's deep true. with themselves. And yeah. the other thing that you hit on why you can go 100 questions deep is... Um, I think everyone to think about when's the last time somebody asked you questions and just listened mm-hmm. to understand, not to respond for 30, 45 or 60 minutes to just truly understand you, what was important to you, where you were going. It's so rare. And that's why it brings such riches and clarity and depth. hundred percent. Absolutely. Uh, when we started our conversation today, we were talking about thinking and thinking about thinking, even a level deeper, what would you say, I don't know, two or three things are that you took away from your mind scan experience? Uh, I think that becoming aware of your natural tendencies and uh, what you're really good at and where you're weak um, is, is huge. I, I mean, I looked at the mind scan where we talked about the, the, the upside down V and the, and mm-hmm. the V and the power of both. And, um, uh, and becoming aware, I, I thought it was a very useful tool. Thank you, first of all, Jared. Um, and, it, and it let me always know why I was always seeking wiser people than me to slow me down. And I felt I could speed them up and give them the energy. They could give me the wisdom because they were this fee. I was this fee. But in, in reality, the, 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 one of the biggest takeaways was it's going, okay, well, yes, still do that. But also flip your V. Um, become aware and uh, utilize the emotions and 
the thought, uh, the deep thought to go, how am I only doing what just I can do and how can we scale this so it doesn't depend on me? Um, which I've heard so many times and I work with people I'm doing, but personally, um, for myself being aware of that, uh, was a huge takeaway. So thank you. It is. It's an interesting situation as we look at what has contributed to our success, um, what we're valuing. Um, we look at how our brains wired to get pleasure and pain. And so the more we're spending time and what makes sense to us, the better we feel. On, at the same time, the difference between where we're at, what's possible in our life, and what life's calling us to next requires rewiring that to a new pleasure pain cycle so that our brain gets pleasure by solving problems differently. And if, if we're willing to face that and be uncomfortable, uh, yeah, I, I think so. The mind scan really maps a clear path to what it looks like for that person to level up. Um, Luke, my, my hope in, in sharing this conversation that you and I have been having with more people is that they start to resonate with you and resonate with how you think. Um, Luke Wren, men want him. Women want him. Everybody wants to be him, right? Uh, Luke Wren, the, the legend. Where can people go to get more in your world and learn from you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one, of the, one of the ones that I always like to tell people is, you know, if you just want to connect, the one resource that I actually respond to the, the comments and things like that is on Instagram, Luke underscore, just the underscore line, and Ren, Luke underscore Ren at Instagram.com. Uh, I have a monthly coaching group that I created as a passion project because I know not everybody can afford to hire me one-on-one as I charge quite a bit um, for companies and usually get a piece of the company to do it. However, I wish I would have had a coach like me when I was getting started or when I had the belief of, oh gosh, I can't afford that coach or that coach and I have a monthly coaching group where it's just $97 a month or $9.97 a year where I answer, I come live in there and do live Q&A twice a week and uh, do a Facebook live every week. So you get me two to three times a week uh, for that. And, and we're literally interacting just like this uh, with the community. And that's at LW, LW is in Luke Ren, uh, results.com. And then those people on this call that would be hungry and go, hey, I, I want to get around a peer, a group of peers that are really committed to taking it to the next level. I have a mastermind group as well, just lwmastermind.com. And uh, feel free to reach out. Anything I can help you with, if there's something that you want to know, let me know on Instagram. I'll create some content around it. I'll send you a voice note back. Whatever I can do to help you move further, faster, forward, but not just get there. Enjoy the ride along the way. Uh, and I think it's in a time where a lot of people are worried about um, or, or li living a little more cautiously with all the uncertainty in the world. And I think it's a time that we all need to lead with love have more empathy and compassion for others that view differently than us, be, be slow to judgment um, of people and, and realize that everybody's entitled to their opinion. And we need to continue to hold ourselves accountable, not worry about everybody else and continue to make decisions to move forward. And I want to encourage everybody in today's world, uh, regardless of what's going on, live fully, enjoy every moment. Do not let an uncertain world curb your, your, your craving for living a full life because we call this present moment the present because it's a gift. So continue mm. to live your best life regardless of what's going on. Control what's in your world and not worry about what's going on in the world that you can't control. So 
any way I can help with that, please reach out. And uh, I love and appreciate you all. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you most, uh, Jared, for the mind scan, for going deep and in, into, into looking in what really, what really uh, are tendencies and how can we learn from and grow from that and uh, for having me on this amazing podcast. Thank you so much, Jared. And I, I'm so excited to see the book when it comes out. Yes, sir. Let's make it a great week. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like to learn more about the thinking patterns of success or maybe even see what kind of opportunities for growth are hidden in your own mindset, visit mindsetperformance.co.